Hello and welcome to this episode of Superhero Ethics. I know people love their fast movies where everything happens ram bam bam, but back in the good old days of fantasy adventure, when we had bad CGI and we liked it, we enjoyed stories that took a little bit of time, stories that did world building, stories that showed us all kinds of great ideas of good and evil and hero and adventures, and sometimes those movies from our childhood in the 80s get made into TV shows today. Yes, friends, we are talking about the movie Willow. I have a great set of guests. Um, we're going to have a lot of good conversations about it. Ashley Coffin will have a lot of thirst comments about Val Kilmer, and we're going to go into all of this as both a reminder and a primer to get ready for the TV show. So if you loved the movie, if you've just seen it and want to understand why in the world people like it, or if you're never going to see it but just want to know what the heck happens to get ready for the new movie, the new TV show, this is the podcast for you. All that more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host. Uh, I have joined, as I said, by a great set of guests, starting with returning guest, Ashley Coffin. Ashley, how are we doing today? And uh, how are we feeling about Willow? I'm very excited. I actually just watched the first episode of the series. And mm. yeah, it's just, and we watched this one last night. And I could watch this movie once a month. So I'm ready yeah. for this. <laughs> it's that good. Well, Ashley has a. Uh, Casting her spider web of connections out through the world helped plug me into a number of other people who are super excited about this. Another is a returning guest who's been on to talk about Stranger Things and some things like that. Uh, Mark Karkusha. I hope I pronounced your last name right. Mark, how are we doing? You nailed it. Uh, I'm doing very well. Um, thank you so much for having me on again to talk about uh, the only movie I've seen more than Jaws. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll just say right now that Ashley will not be alone in uh, TTT, that is Thirst Trap Talk, <laughs> about Val Kilmer. Oh, um, no, no, I'm, I'm, so. I think we might have a full full slate of that. No yeah, one we'll, wears we'll a pink dress like that, man. <laughs> I mean, forget about it. <laughs> so true. So true. Uh, and our last guest is someone I've been wanting to get on the podcast for a while. Someone who's been part of the uh, Stranded Panda Network for a while in various forms, but I think is making her podcast debut, at least when not in a room with other podcasters. Katie Leary O'Brennan. Yeah, I, I see five different names for you in five <laughs> different was, accounts. Katie, what's your last name? My last and who name are is, you? <laughs> yeah, hi. Uh, it's Katie <laughs> O'Leary Brennan. But Katie Leary okay. O'Brennan is is really close. Um, <laughs> it's just something something Irish. Um, yeah. But yeah, I am really excited to be here. You know, I've I've talked with Ashley a bit about being on before, but I've never wanted to pull the trigger because I I didn't know enough. I felt about the subject matter, but this one I do, and I completely weaseled my way in. Uh, <laughs> almost forgot that I did because I was drunk at the time, but I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> I messaged. What time did I, I don't even know what time I messaged you, Fox? So I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna message him right now. I'm gonna message him right now. You're doing it." And then the next day, she's like, "Did you remember asking to be on the podcast?" And I was like, "Nope, but I will do it." You know, there are lots of things and lots of places where if you could consent to something while you're under the influence, it is not real consent. Podcasting. We, we're happy to get you on. However, we get you on. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, let's kind of just start overall. Uh, and Katie, I'll actually, start with you. Yeah. Um, from some names in your family, I sense this movie is uh, rather important to you. Talk a little about kind of why you love this movie. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've loved Willow since I was a kid. It's been my favorite movie for as long as I can remember. My brothers and I used to watch it all the time. And then um, when my husband and I first started dating in 2007, we were talking about 
you know, future baby names like you do. And he told me that his favorite girl name was Kaya and that he he got it from the movie Willow. And then he said, but unfortunately, my sister had a girl first and she totally stole it. (laughs) So my niece's (laughs) name is Kaya. And then when I got pregnant with a girl, I was like, you know what? I also have always really loved the name Elora. And um, I was again talking to my sister-in-law and she's like, well, if you don't use it, I'm going to. And I went home that day and I was like, Brian, the baby's name is Elora. <laughs> I'm not having another one get stolen. So now we have Akaya and an Elora. Um, so, so clearly you not only married the right person, right. you married into the right family. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We bonded And she over. used the music in the wedding, in your wedding. Oh, too. yeah. When we walked away, like after, after we were married and we walked back down the aisle, the piano player played the Willow theme and it was pretty awesome. Was it the It was very good. That's a better choice than than the scary the scary Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it's a movie we quote all the time. Um I just love it so much. You know, there's really no end to my love for this movie. And Mark, what about you? What is it you love about this movie? Um, pretty much everything. Um, I, it's one of like, I usually have a pretty good ability to like look at bad reviews of things and not get upset, including like, you know, stuff that I've done, you know, Mm -hmm. I can look at it and accept that, you know, that's somebody's opinion and whatever. But when I look about at negative reviews of Willow, it (laughs) infuriates me. Um, uh so Roger yeah. Ebert I read yeah. his son of a bitch I have an Two interesting tie into Siskel and Ebert if, if when we get to it but but oh. yeah. I believe yeah we all have that same oh, yeah. tie-in, girl. Oh. <laughs> I don't know oh. the tie-in and our fans may not so go ahead and hit us okay. with the tie-in. go ahead Katie so, you can do it I'm a big fan of Paul Tibbet, who um, does a lot of the effects on this movie, and he's responsible for the two-headed dragon, uh, which is called the Ebersisk dragon, and it was named that way after Siskel and Ebert, because both Ron Howard and George Lucas were a little bit annoyed at them at that point for getting some pretty bad reviews on the recent recent movies. So they named it it that as a jab to Siskel and Ebert. Yeah. That's 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 a big one, um, but it's not the only jab against a critic in Kale. the film. Yeah, General Kale <laughs> is name. What's uh, Pauline Kale? Pauline Kale. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't know so, that one. Yeah. Uh, she she knew. They were not quiet about it. Yeah. Oh, that is <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, All right. Another thing. I, that's but Mark, funny Mark about didn't that. even Sorry. get to finish. Mark <laughs> yeah. didn't no. even get to finish. No, yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, like I think, like most of it are well. Uh, like some of us here, I've been uh, obsessed with it since I was a kid. I remember the first time I watched it, I was over at my my friend's house. Uh, uh, Tommy Bross, shout out. I don't know. He might be in jail. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but they have podcasts in jail. He's not in jail. Uh, I don't think. Anyway, we were at his house and uh, they put it on. And like they had to go to soccer practice or something. And like there was still a half an hour left in the movie. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay here. I'll stay here and I will make sure that the door is locked when I leave. But there is no way I'm leaving and not seeing the end of this movie. That's awesome. So, yeah. 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 That's how how the first time happened. There's been about a million since then. Ashley, what about yourself? What what really hooked you for this movie? Well, it was just the prime time for these kind of movies because I feel like that handful of legend and labyrinth and... 
Mm-hmm. All of these movies with these amazing scores just sucked us in. And I watched them over and over again. But this one in particular had um, Sorsha. And she was pretty much one of the mm-hmm. first female, like, battle-ready bitches that I'd seen. And I was like, I want to be her so much that little preteen Ashley walked herself to the store and bought a box of red hair color while she looked like Carol Ann from Poltergeist and dyed her hair without any permission. <laughs> and let me tell you something, that fiery red color didn't look great on me. But I stayed a redhead till about 2009, so that's telling. But yeah, wow. I was... Uh, Katie, you met me as a redhead. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I figured out the tone that went with that Ronald McDonald red looks fabulous on her. I know. Yeah, she's beautiful. And just, yeah, yeah, so badass when she kicks Val Kilmer in the face. Mm -hmm. It's just so good. But then it also had the most badass evil queen that has Mm -hmm. ever existed, I think, on Mm -hmm. screen. Super scary. uh, Bav Morda does not hold the punches. Like, she is evil all the way through, and she's powerful, and she's a problem. And I don't think anyone's ever been that evil of a queen. Yeah, and at the end when she's soaking wet and they keep increasing the, the... purple makeup around her eyes and she just gets scarier and scarier and they dress her up like a mummy for some reason yeah especially because and i i want to give my own kind of thoughts on the movie overall and then then do a a summary of it for the many many fans who are like what in the world are these people talking about but part of what i like so much about the queen character is like i have nothing wrong with a badass evil queen who's also young and sexy and awesome you know and like Mm -hmm. daenerys i mean well many people don't think of daenerys as an evil queen she gets there um but um also like um charlize uh yeah you know charlize theron and so many things um the witcher what's that woman's name Yennefer. 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 you know that's a well-established trope and so to have this woman who is i mean she's good looking but she's she's an older actress jean marsh her outfit isn't like mm-hmm. super tight or meant to be like sexy femme fatale she's just an awesome evil queen and i think that kind of is a good way to get into kind of what i love about this movie is it is because i i'm not quite where you all are i saw it when i was a kid i really enjoyed it i probably watched it a half dozen more times with my friends and then it kind of just faded off and like i would still quote it and still remember it but like it, i didn't really feel a need to go back and watch it again and again and then I watched it again just just the other night and was like, this is ep- everything. This is like just the <laughs> perfect 80s epic adventure movie. And, you know, I was watching it with someone who hadn't seen it before. And honestly, I was very concerned about how it would have aged. And there was very little in it that I was like, oh, you, you can't do that. Like all the stuff about the little people uh, and how they're portrayed is is so well done. Um, there's a whole plot line about like magic invoking consent consent that i was like oh this no actually wait no they found their way out of this like mm-hmm. <laughs> there's just so much and and just uh, everything about it just feels like a perfect adventure movie so before we j- again completely alienate people um can one of you give just like a quick two-minute summary of what this movie is mark um <laughs> sure sure let's see the hard part is gonna be keeping it to two minutes because um now it, it's a it's Picture it's this. The, story. the sun is coming. No, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's 1972. George Lucas has an idea for a movie. Um, <laughs> it's basically uh, Lord of the Rings, but it's go basically on. Lord of the Rings. A little different. He's gonna call More it Munchkins. Sex. Uh, <laughs> it's gonna call it Munchkins, which no, they ended up changing that thing. Gad. Uh, mm-hmm. No, it's it's a it's a story of a evil queen, Bav Morda. Uh, there is a prophecy that a child will be her downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, 
The child will, of course, be uh, identified by its, you know, birthmark. And uh, from there, we do kind of like the Moses thing of uh, the, the evil queen says, we're going to kill every or we're going to capture every pregnant woman. We're going to check every single baby. Uh, we're going to kill the baby when we find it. Uh, which is a dark way to start it's off a pretty kid's dark movie, stuff. you know, which I think is part of the reason we all love it. Um, but then they go full Moses and float the baby down <laughs> the river. Yeah. Um, as the nursemaid is being torn apart. Spoiler alert. It's OK. It's in the first five minutes torn apart by really terrifying uh, practical are, like dogs our, and rats. The best actors, the best doggy actors I've ever seen. They don't know they're in a movie. Those guys, no, they're, they're just, just they're having a good time. It. They're just having fun. Um, and then, uh, the baby is found by a village of Nelwins, uh, little people, and they, um, uh, the, the main character, Willow, of the title, he ends up, um, uh, going on a quest to, uh, bring the baby to, uh, the nail, the daikini, the, the large people who can take care of it, and, um, yeah, then a yeah, the just this wonderful dark fantasy epic uh mm-hmm. happens. There's some great redemption arcs in there. Yep. Love, <laughs> some joining magic. up. There's Sorceries. an epic final battle. Yeah, magic, comedy, mm-hmm. slapstick, yep. brownies. Mm-hmm. Brownies. Kevin Pollock at his finest. I yes. always forget Which, that it's Kevin Pollock until I'm watching it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. He's so good Which, in it. By the way, I have to say, I think this is the movie that establishes that brownies, when we say brownies, we, we, we've talked about little people. Um, it, it is, it is um, you know, people, the, the actors who are playing them are people who have dwarfism, who the, the proper term is, is dwarves or little people. Um, and and the, it's a whole community of, and they're, what, Mark, again, tell me the name of what's what's the name of their fantasy race in this? Uh, Nelwyn. Nelwyn, thank you. And yeah. it's it is very clearly a Lord of the Rings kind of idea. It's very much a Hobbit reference, mm-hmm. um, but played by people who are that size instead of actors with with kind of fun camera angles, which we can talk about. Um, and, and that's wonderful. But then also, there's this other race of brownies, which are like very very small, like kind of six inch tall fairy type people mm-hmm. and what i love is i think this movie is what creates this trend because it's a trend that is held this movie tells us that brownies have to have bad french accents <laughs> because i've seen that now ever since <laughs> I was wondering I it's very much I was the, oh no you have offended me we cannot have that no <laughs> i love it Rule, you idiot <laughs> well they have the love spell so it makes sense yeah yeah oh yeah. true Oh, yeah, it's a Pepe Le Pew kind of a thing. I like it. And everything <laughs> yeah. around that spell is really funny, too. You know, the the way it's first used on a cat and, mm-hmm. and then it goes from there. It's fun. You're right. Your whiskers. Let's talk, your whiskers. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk first about Willow and his community. What what, what did you kind of like or, or not like? There might be some things we don't like here, but kind of what did you love about Willow, the character, and like that whole community that we see? Yeah, I really, I really um, am struck by that because he has this great life. Other than this very annoying man, Burglecut, who is trying to take over his land. Mm-hmm. He loves his wife. He is a good father to his kids. He has the arguably the best best friend in film history. Migosh. Yeah. <laughs> Migosh. Migosh supports him in everything in his career. He enthusiastically claps for him during his magic show. He volunteers first to go with him on this journey, even though he clearly does not want to and is scared. <laughs> he stays when everyone else leaves. Like Migosh is like best friend goals. And then I just I love how good of a life he has, how much he loves his family and wife, and just how like a nice functional town that they have and yeah. they live in. <clears throat> 
Yeah, it was really powerful. I mean, a, a, just like, I think for just, you know, telling a story to have this great, like, it's a lot like the Shire, you know, and mm-hmm. it's a wonderful little farming community. They talk about the big people who they mostly stay away from. They've got little rivalries, like with a guy who wants um, Willow's land, but he's got family, he's got kids. And one thing in kind of doing some more research about this movie, you know, realizing that Every single one of those actors, and it's got to probably be a hundred in terms of the extras and so on, were all little people. And I, some of the things that really affected me, you know, I always care about representation, reading stuff from people today who are little people or of uh, dwarfism in their family, who said they saw this movie as kids and it just made them so, so happy to see themselves on screen, but not just as, you know, the midgets in Wizard of Oz, or and I, I, I say that word intentionally, midget is kind of a right. derogatory term, um, or the kind of like, you know, the playing the one little like Ewok or something like that, which mm-hmm. uh, Warwick Davis did yeah. start as that. He's right. 17 um, in this movie, I'm pretty sure. I know, sure. It's, real a, young. it's incredible. And He's sometimes, if I, to be honest, I forget about it for most of the movie, and then occasionally there'll be a scene, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God, he's a little, he's a baby. Um, mm-hmm. but, but they, it was, I think it was the biggest like casting call of little people at that time. They had like 250 people come in. So they really, yeah. and they really cast the, the parts well, like very yeah. perfectly. In my he crushed it for it being like his first movie. You just yeah. believe oh, him. Yeah. You believe yeah. that he actually kind of became this character mm-hmm. to in, in filming because yeah. it's just so genuine. A seventeen-year-old yeah. playing a husband and a father in a very believable way, mm-hmm. like that—that that alone. Oh yeah, impressive. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's it's um it's really an excellent uh, uh, uh example of representation because it's you know like you said a lot of the roles for little people historically have been um you know played for gags or mm-hmm. whatever or you know um or like like a tragic figure or something. And, but like, these are just people. They're just, yeah. you know, right. and like, it's, it's not just like, Oh, he's, a, there's the little guy. So he's a, he's a wizard and he can do magic, but it's okay. But there's warriors too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and like mm-hmm. these guys, uh, there's like a, a complete full, uh, yeah. A complete full, uh, spectrum of like real characters. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think it's really great. And there's a scene where, because yeah, there is kind of a village wizard who's a Gandalf type, although he's he's one of them. He's not a tall person. Billy Barty. And mm-hmm. there's, there's <laughs> one beautiful scene where he he he's always sort of like seeing who will be his apprentice, and he asks all the people. You know, he holds up his hand and says, "What is the most powerful finger in the world?" And all these different apprentices, you know, are like, what does he mean his index finger or his dorsal finger? Not do- his index finger, or his middle finger, or whatever it is, and they all get it wrong. And you find out that Willow actually figured it out, but then was too shy to guess this because he thought it was too crazy that the answer is your own finger. And it's, it's like in any story, this is a beautiful little allegory or metaphor for the idea of like when it comes to magic, when it comes to power, like we all have the power inside ourselves, whatever it is, if we just believe in ourselves. And I think that's one of the biggest messages of the movie is that idea of like whoever you are, whether you're you know, a person who everyone looks at as a peck, which is the kind of insulting term they come up with. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, you know, a thief who no one believes or trusts anymore, or if you're the daughter of an evil queen, like anyone can find goodness in them and, and do, which is, it's a cheesy message, but it's really effective. In well, yeah, yeah. And it's also the beginning and end of Willow's arc in this film. You know, in the beginning, he's too scared to choose his own finger. And by the end, he's brave enough to stand up to the evil queen by himself when everyone else is knocked out. 
That's yeah. pretty powerful. And he yeah. brings it full pig disappearing pig trick circle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Lo- you got to love <laughs> yeah, that. that. That's the other thing I love is because when he starts out, he's like a magician, like in our world. You know, he can make like things disappear and do mm-hmm. magic tricks, but he wants to do real magic. And then at the end, he does real magic, but also the thing that saves the day is he does the disappearing pig trick. Um, yeah. And it, mm-hmm. I, I just love that of like, it's not that he has to leave that behind. It's like, no, that that's cool. And that can be magic too. And it's mm-hmm. the only thing that was able to actually fool fool Beth Morda, you know, like yeah. she couldn't comprehend that because it was too simple. Right. Yeah. yeah. She, yeah. Her acting and that she's like, ah! like, Impossible. but I do. If I have one <laughs> tiny problem with it, it's how she goes out. It just the tiniest. So she knocked over. I was like, well, no. Okay. But that's when they were, I feel like that last five minutes is when they remembered, oh, wait a minute. This is a kid's movie. Let's just, she does it yeah. to herself because <laughs> yeah, up until she, then she they really forgot self. for a good like hour that this was a kid's movie, which is why I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. think this is very much in the George Lucas, Jim Henson kind of world of 80s, quote unquote, kids movies. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, Labyrinth is a kids movie that a whole bunch of bisexuals had their first awakening when watching. Mm-hmm. You know, those mm-hmm. are yeah. very tight pants on Mr. Bowie for a kids movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's just the David Bowie effect in general. In though, general. Yeah. yeah. True. But true. the never ending story is very dark. I mean, think about like. Yeah. Live yeah. a little or darkness and all that stuff. And dark. And crystal. George Lucas was very inspired by Lord of the Rings in this movie, obviously. But like that, those stories are, they deal with a lot of tough themes too. They're very dark and scary at times. Yeah. Made us um, tough kids. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lucas is always big on, you know, the Joseph Campbell um, hero with a thousand faces. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those kind of like classic thematic things. But um, I think, like yeah, they're like the '80s was the you know uh, dark f- ch- children's. I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, which is dumb. <laughs> um, ch- children's fan, dark children's fantasy. Um, but like all these other films that we've mentioned, uh, for me, I think the reason I love Willow the most is that it felt to me like the most real, like the most like grounded. Like yes, there's magic and sorcerers and and dragons and everything, but like it was dirty. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just felt like grounded and real to me, which I think is is what and along with, you know, one of the most charismatic performances of the century, uh, mm-hmm. Val Kilmer as Mad Martin. Oh, um, you know, I think that's it, what it does told it for me, me something that I didn't know who you meant when you said one of the most charismatic. I think you can <laughs> say that about both Warwick Davis and Val Kilmer. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And another thing about, uh, old, old, uh, older person representation, um, you know, we say like, it's, it's wonderful to have like an evil queen who's, you know, how, I'm not sure how old she was in the film, but you know, older than our average, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, star. Um, there's also just a fight scene between (gasps) two old women just beating the yeah. out of each other. That is my favorite scene in the entire movie. When she's yeah. underneath that pillar. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Well, even though, like, and when, when they run out of magic and they're just like yeah. punching each other in the yeah. face. Rizal like, gets this such an amazing fight scene. Down yeah. her face. Yeah. Oh yeah, Never the punching is hilarious. Yeah. And it's, she lands multiple face punches. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's really um, fun. Yeah, and just to clarify for people who don't know, the, the, uh, sort of white witch woman we're talking about is like there's this ki- uh, I forget the character's name again Rizal help, help. 
Vizelle, thank you. Then Vizelle, and like for most of the movie, she's in the form of a goat or something else. And then okay. Willow uses his magic <laughs> to help her turn back into her true form. Uh, no, I think, yeah, she's a, a muskrat. She's yeah, like, what we is, have to stop what that is first <laughs> I was like looking it's at a, it. I'm like, I am a muskrat. It's a muskrat. <laughs> it's, it's a bush-tailed, a bush-tailed something. bush-tailed something, yeah. 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 And, and Willow turns her into her true form. And again, it's not femme fatale, which it's like, you know, Gandalf is female. You know? It's heartbreaking, yeah. too, because that how long yeah. when she's looking at her hands, like, has it been so long? Because she, oh, yeah. she yeah. was like, I'm a beautiful I, woman. Concentrate, Willow. Concentrate, Willow. Yeah. <laughs> but that <laughs> they, scene, like I said, the, the scene at the, the end where match. she transforms was also pretty, like, novel, I think, of a, of a film, like, filming yeah. a transformation like that um, in one shot with that morph. Yeah. It's like that morph technology. That became really popular. They created that technology for the yeah. movie. It's cool. And then ILM used it in Terminator and mm-hmm. other Indiana Jones movies. So, but yeah, yeah, it was created for Willow. There's just, I mean, we already talked about the dragon, but there's just so much amazing stuff. Like Paul Tibbet worked on RoboCop and Jurassic Park yeah. and all that. It's just like mm-hmm. when you have someone that caliber, you know, building the models and doing this kind of stuff with that was like go motion on blue screen. But it's, it's just so good. So it mixes a lot of different styles there's good makeup in it. There's good costumes. Yeah. It's just those oh. trolls were scary. Yeah, yeah. And just if you want to think about how these sk- how these skills advanced, yeah, the the dragon. If you're used to Marvel Star Wars CGI, it looks pretty cheesy to some extent. Although I think it still holds up. Yeah. But then go back and watch Return of the Jedi, and which made by the same people. And the Rancor, you can tell that it's the same technology that they used to make the Rancor, but this looks significantly better. And this movie's made like three or four years later. And so yeah. uh, to me, that was really cool because I've seen the Rancor a million times. Just seeing like, oh, yeah, the technology advanced just in those three or four years. Well, yeah. yeah and well, like st- I still like stop motion animation, but it's choppier. You know, you don't yeah. get that same smoothness and like all the camera movement. Like so it's it it was very cool at the time. And yeah. I still Phil think Tippett, cool. Phil Tippett was the go to guy. Yeah. For stop motion animation. Like, after you know, after Ray Harryhausen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like he was originally going, they were going. The dinosaurs in Jurassic Park were going to be um, stop motion, and Phil Tippett was going to be doing it. But then they figured out how to do it CGI, and right. um, which led to uh, one of my favorite memes of all time. It's when it says "dinosaur wrangler," Phil Tippett, and then it just says, "You had one job, Phil." <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that before. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think like. The, the, with the exception of when uh, Mad Mardigan is riding the Ebersisk, uh, <laughs> not really, but like kind of rodeoing it, that is pretty bad. That looks yes. bad. Yes. Um, but with the exception of that, I don't think there's any uh, special effect in the movie that that mm-hmm. that takes me out. Um, yeah. and there's yeah. a lot of a lot of really good stuff. One thing, and this is, is going to connect back to Mad Mardigan. One thing I'm really glad that you point out, Mark, is that. Often, George Lucas really loved that the power of myth, the single hero who goes mm. through this journey. And I think one of the reasons why I really love this movie especially is that in some ways it is much more of a like group, like a found family kind of a movie because you have numerous characters who are going yeah. through their version of a hero journey mm-hmm. and instead of being just one. And so let's talk about Matt Mardigan, uh, Val Kilmer in all of his bare-chested, pink-skirted glory. <laughs> um, talk to us about this character and what we love about him so much. I honestly think he goes through the biggest change of the movie because we don't find out his real backstory or what he did, but we know 
he definitely stole something. He was some kind of thief and he definitely left whatever army he was a part of because he says he's not a thief in that scene, but something, something happened. And, you know, he's just been looking out for himself and the transformation he goes through at the end to becoming, you know, this great hero. And I'm going to serve the no one and staying with him and and doing the right thing. You know, he had it in him the whole time. But, you know, I feel like by the end of that movie, he's just he's a real hero. Yeah. Yeah. And side note, I would love a like mini series or a show called like the Knights of Galadorn. where We go back in time and we find out what happened between Mad Mardian and Eric. And like, why is he the way that he was? Because he's so mysterious about it. He's like, when Eric asks him what he did to end up in the crow's nest, he's like, nothing you wouldn't have done. Right. And then Mm -hmm. he says later, he's not a thief. And he says it very seriously. You know, he's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not a thief, Eric. So he must, there must have been something that happened. Accused for something and it ran, but I want to know. Right. (laughs) He does have some sort of an honor. And Eric was cold blooded, was going to leave him in that thing to die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know. Um, I know all this. I know what happened. Um, what happened? If you guys want to know, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, for, I mean, I when I was just so you know that the, it wasn't like I was obsessed with this movie when I was a kid, and then when I found out the show was coming out, I got obsessed again. No. When I was in high school, <laughs> uh, when I was at the North Carolina School of the Arts, I found out that they had a copy of the novelization of Willow <gasps> in the library, and I I checked it out and read it in high school. Um, I also read the uh, the Shadow books i can't remember what they're called now but they're not canon anymore so they just like star wars they have been non-canon but basically um mad mardigan was from a uh not noble family but pretty like well-off family in galadorn and he became a knight of galadorn at a very young age the youngest to ever uh become a knight of galadorn just like val kilmer was the youngest person ever accepted into juilliard at the time um and he was doing very well. Uh, he, Eric, Eric was his like best friend who was a few years older. And um, there was a thing with a woman where it went south and the woman kind of like interrupted Mad Mardigan's uh, not like official like into the knighthood ceremony and exposed the fact that he had betrayed certain uh, confidences and he was kind of exiled and he started like living rough and then uh eric brought him back when galadorn was under attack uh and there was another big misunderstanding uh at uh, the battle of land's end and everyone thought that mad mardigan betrayed like ran away but in reality there was a whole bunch of other stuff going on and then he got uh set upon by brigands after the battle and stuck in that crow's nest. So, oh, and that's one of the things about Mad Mardian that they talk about in some of the source material more is like he lies, except about like things that are really important. Like he'll like he'll oversell his exploits in in like something that didn't really happen and undersell. So like when he says nothing you wouldn't have done in my place, he's telling the truth, but he's like saying it like kind of like in an. Way, you know, mm-hmm. right. like, like he's implying that it was bad. But yeah, it's like he's a, he's an wasn't. amazing liar, but yeah. when he tells the truth, no one believes him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like so. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's another one of the reasons I love that character. Wow, so that's cool. I, like that's really neat. I still want the show though. So if there's any yeah. uh, big oh, rich yeah. producers <laughs> listening, can you yeah. please make the Knights of Galadorn because I would watch I mean, the, I think, the hell think, out of it. it. If Willow is successful, they will happily make this into a whole new franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and yeah, I, I love that especially because to me, obviously, I don't know any of that. But what I get very clearly from the movie is this is a person who had ideals and had those ideals betrayed or crushed mm-hmm. in some way and now is just cynical. And it, like when he's in the cage and he's being terrible, he's like threatening our friend, mm-hmm. our heroes. He, he, he's probably the one who uses that insulting term peck more mm-hmm. than anyone. There's a peck peck in here with an acorn pointed at me. me. (laughs) I love that they came up with an insulting term for little people in this fake world so as not to use like actually derogatory language, which was just brilliant. Yeah, and everybody uses it. So it's clearly like the known term. And it just felt so clear that like he hates everyone almost as much as he hates himself Mm. in that. Mm -hmm. And like so much of the movie is also for him coming to like – coming to believe in himself again, coming to believe in a cause again. And the fact that the movie ends with him in the armor of like what the army that he used to fight for, it, it was just such a moving moment to first see him in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so speaking of moving moments with him, there is a moment and it's after the battle at Tira's Lean and Willow just comes stumbling out and he's bleeding and he's crying mm-hmm. saying they took her, they took her. And he's ready to give up because he just doesn't think there's anything he can do. And then Mad Mardigan looks at him and he says, Willow, can you ride? And Willow looks up and he's like, let's ride. And so there you go. And it's like, and then Willow has this, they stay on his face for a few seconds, which they never do in movies anymore. They don't let the scenes breathe. So they're letting the scene breathe. And and Mad Mardigan's eyes are so caring. The way they shot it, I love too. It was like up into his eyes. And then Willow, I, it gets me every, I, like I have goosebumps right now just talking yeah. about it. I, yeah. I'm crying a little bit. I'm yeah. hearing the music and I'm getting and all like upset. That is the moment where you know he's fully redeemed because he does not have to do anything at this point. They could give up and go home. And he's like, I don't care. We're good. He's probably thinks he's going to die. You know, yeah. like yeah. Mm-hmm. let's go. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is a, like a, a perfect moment in that movie. I did just get teary eyed. Uh, but like <laughs> was that, it that my whole description skills. That yes, did it? okay, that <laughs> was a big part of it. Just tapping me right back. Next in. time, Katie, you have to be the one to give the description of the movie. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, that just that whole battle scene in the in the castle when you know Willow, Mad Mardigan, and Finrazel as a goat take on the entire <laughs> Nakmar army. Uh, coming! <laughs> well, like, I, you idiot. <laughs> that one moment of, like, um, I think has informed, like, every, like, D&D character I ever played where <laughs> Mad Mardigan is on the wall, he sees Willow in trouble, he jumps into a catapult, cuts the <laughs> line, launches himself across the courtyard, hits the wall, kills a troll, and then the dragon rears up, and he just does like the big like shoulder slump sigh, and then jumps onto the back of the dragon. All while Sorcha is watching and yeah. falling in love, having someone fall yeah. in love with him at the same time. He just did yeah. it all. Oh my god, I know. And that you know that's my that classic, part. like when he's oh. standing in front of the dragon and yeah. all, the yeah. charging army, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I must be really They're scared of me." He does yeah. the sword flourish and roars, and, and the army stops around. with the dragon. <laughs> like there's something really scary behind me, isn't there? Oh. <laughs> oh my god and like that's such a goofy like slapsticky thing yeah. but it works so perfectly um yeah and there's yeah. several and of those say, moments i have to say one of the things i remember most about the 80s in terms of val kilmer it, you know he he got his start for most people in top gun mm-hmm. in which he plays a character named Iceman. the whole point is that he's like a very emotionless stoic and i think the actor played him in that way very well mm-hmm. 
But he very quickly got this reputation of being like the actor who couldn't really emote very well. And like in his production of Batman, he's very wooden. And and it, watching this, I'm like, where were you directors? How did you not know this actor had incredible he's too artistic to yeah. and talented and can yeah. could get Batman burnt he down could pretty not easily. do anything. He couldn't even Yeah, move in the suit, you can so tell he's like, burnt out in that yeah, in yeah. Not, the directors were giving and the writers were giving nothing to work with. Yeah. Yep. And then also in this movie, you're literally watching him f- in real time and real life fall in love with his future wife. Yeah. So that's why yeah. the Sorcha and, and Matt Mardigan yeah. scenes are so intense because like, they're, oh yeah, they have children together. I mean, they're divorced now, sadly, he but they were married for a long time. Before that, they did, I think yeah. they did a play together. They did. And yeah. So yeah. he had a big crush on her already and then she was in this movie and so all those looks that they're giving each other, it's like all that's real. real. And yeah. he's like, I'm, I don't love her. Do I? You know, like you're my moon, my sun, yeah. my starlit sky. Without yeah. you, I dwell in darkness. Dwell, <laughs> in, dwell in darkness, darkness and it went, and away. went away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just need to tell that story of how it all comes together because, again, in the eighties, I mean, even in today, but especially in the eighties, you have a lot of stories about people who fall in love with each other because of a love potion or a love mm-hmm. spell, and it's sweet and it's romantic, and the consent is really problematic, and. The way they do it here is so brilliant because what happens is he's under a love spell and so confesses his love for her, but then it wears off. But because of the love spell and him doing all this, like, frankly, incredibly poetic romanticism towards (laughs) her, she now starts to be like, wait, maybe do I like him? And then he's like, what do you mean you like? Do I? And and then it becomes like both of them completely in their right. You know, it's kind of like someone who just gave them a push into an artificial meat cute caused by a magic potion. Yeah, but, they but get I will to fall say in though, love with each other one hundred percent on their own. Yeah, but mm-hmm. before the love potion, though, he when he sees her for the first time, he's so struck by her beauty that he almost drops his disguise. And when she yes. says, "And you're very strong," he's like, "Thank you." You know, <laughs> like he, I think yep. he kind of yep. fell in love with her at first sight. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true too. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, yeah. It, it maybe the potion gives him the potion like gets him to say all these things, especially when she's trying to kill him. Mm-hmm. Which is, by the way, a very fun scene for all sorts of people. Um, yes, yeah. but like, <laughs> um, yeah. It just it was just so well done, and both both that and he spends a good part of the movie in a dress because he does some like kind of, like yeah. he he does a gender switch to to in various cool states people. of disarray. Yeah, and again, that could have been. In the 80s, that is often done so badly and with like so many things that make you cringe today. And there's just none of that in this. It's just pure charm. Yeah, he's there, so hot in this movie. And I've uh, never when he's really been attracted shirtless. to him. Like <laughs> him with long, dark hair. Uh, yes. A- any day of the week. That tan. Oh, my God. Yeah. And just yeah. the attitude, too. You know, yeah. it's so good. The, yeah. the the Mad Mardigan Sorsha initial meet cute um, reminds me of something that I uh, that, that I also really love about this movie and that is the names uh, like their their meet cute and uh, Mad Mardigan's subsequent almost capture is interrupted by lug lug like, gentlemen yeah gentlemen <laughs> meet lug, meet lug. Um, <laughs> like lug what a what a perfect name for that not character. a woman <laughs> not a Mad woman? Mardigan Pavmorda. <laughs> Shalindria. Shalindria. Like, there's these wonderful names that, like, yeah, Migash. Like, they're all perfect names. Um, Yeah. And that scene with Lug. So, this is one of those funny things you thought when you were a kid versus as an adult. You know how he says he's like flirting with her when he thinks that her name's Hilda? And he says, want to breed? 
Yeah. I yeah. thought he was touching her hair. So as a kid, I thought he said, want to braid. Like, do you want me to uh. braid your hair? <laughs> and I'm like, why? I don't know why that was so temp- like tempting. But no, I did not understand that at all. But I thought it was braid until like That's probably... So I don't know. I watched it again as an adult, and I was like, "You're like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah." Now it all comes together. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Well, that comment ended the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. ended the um. So we talked about Willow. We've talked about Mad Mortigan. Um, let's talk about um the daughter somewhat because she has a, again a very kind of fun where she start. She is the 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 daughter of the evil sorceress, and she. She she doesn't start as like you know a Rapunzel in a in a castle. She's leaving her armies. She's going out and searching for these babies. Yeah, I'd have a hard she, time giving all that up. Yeah, and and she does though. And, <laughs> yep. and yeah, yeah. Mad Mardigan. They, they don't make it just because she loves Mad Mardigan. I think she kind of has a real change of heart. What do you all think of her kind of growth in this in this movie? I think it's um absolutely. There's a huge amount of growth, and it's not just for mad mardigan uh as as we said and like it because if you remember in toward in the first few minutes of the movies uh the movie when uh bav morda is walking down the hall with her like druidy you know accomplice and he says like something to the effect of i don't trust her or like i think she's gonna betray betray, you she's going to betray you and bav morda says i trust her more than i trust you um so there's like the seeds are planted uh, from the beginning and you kind of see like the like the strained relationship that she has with her mother and you know we've all been there where your mother is telling you you have to kill a baby and you don't like I, <laughs> oh yeah uh maybe we should cut that <laughs> no, i think that's pretty funny yeah. uh but you know it, it's but you, you you can sympathize because like she loves her mother you know and like no matter how bad your parents are you you love them to, to when a, a parent a denies you acceptance and approval all you do is try to win their acceptance and approval yep. and it kind of stops like mattering what it is you need to do to get it right yeah you just need to you know get that thing for her so that she'll praise you and then you're happy right. but mm-hmm. that's yeah. where mad mardigan stuff kind of comes in because she's probably only known like that cold, dark, dank castle all filled up with yeah. guys that look like Kale or those council members. <laughs> not that yeah, looks right. have anything to do with it. But uh, right. no, somebody being kind to her and saying all those things to her, she's probably never heard anything like that in her mind, in her entire life, which is probably yeah. why it really broke her down. Like, what is happening? Yeah, there's some real humanity out here. These people are fighting against terrible odds to save yeah. this child. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Maybe I'm the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this guy this guy does have a skull for a face. Are we the bad guys? Are we the bad guys? <laughs> Did I you guys believe like I my didn't sword? See it before? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really That's is well good. done. Yeah. I love her armor too. It is. Oh, oh, she looks the best. And her little top knot work. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Her hair is awesome. The the helmet, her jagged freaking sword spear mm-hmm. thing, whatever it Super is. Super cool. So good. So let me actually now ask a question. And Katie, I want to start with you because I know you, like I, haven't seen the show yet. Um, I am very nervous about remakes a lot of the time because especially things like – like we said, this is very much an 80s movie. Everything from some of the kind of cheesy effects, but just also to the way that they handle things, the the ability to kind of really let stories develop, and and also just the kind of mix of like slapstick and humor with some pretty seriousness – I, what were you thinking? What 
what yeah. was your thought when you heard that Willow was going to be a TV show? Were you excited? Were you like, oh, this could get ugly? Like, what's what's your feeling? I was equal parts excited and nervous. And this is going back for a couple of years at least now was when I first mm-hmm. heard the buzz about it. And um, so I'm, I'm, I haven't watched it yet because I'm too afraid um, that it's going to be bad. And I, I heard one of my friends who's um, funnily enough, his last name is Pakula and we call him Peck. And um, we're always like, out of the way, Peck. And so <laughs> he saw the first two episodes and said they were terrible. And so and then I, Mark, you told me that you enjoyed them. And mm. so I'm like, but it wasn't like, uh, oh, my God, it was amazing. So I'm I'm scared. Yeah. I, I do want to say, I know Mark and Ashley, you've seen it. I want to have absolutely no spoilers whatsoever other than like good or bad. But okay. for you all, what what were kind of your thoughts on like hearing that this was – hearing that thing you loved so much from childhood was going to become a TV show? I'll always take them doing a series and moving the story forward than doing any form of remake when it comes to these movies. Yeah. Don't remake yeah. it. Don't touch Agreed. it. Don't do anything that – if you're going to do something with it, move the story forward because then I can decide whether I want that to exist in my world or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree I, with that. I, yeah, I feel I feel the same way uh, in regards to remakes. Because um, I think when you make a remake, it's like, why? Why yeah. are you remake? Are you remaking it because like there was something wrong with the first one? Like there was like that that you can now address or you want to explore. But like, oftentimes, I think things are remade just to remake them, um, just to hold on to the copyright. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, for me, the the first two episodes uh, overwhelmingly, I have I have overwhelmingly positive things to say with just like a couple of issues that I had. But that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the thing I have to remind myself of when it comes to remakes or continuations of old stories is that they could they're probably not only making this for this group of fans that loved it in the 80s you know like they're trying to appeal to young people definitely what they're doing so i have to say to myself sometimes (laughs) this is not for you you know like let if kids like this then let them have it and like you can just rewatch the original again which you're probably going to do anyway Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm kind of having the reverse of that now because I, as someone who never really watched any of the Adams Family stuff, I liked the idea of it, but like I got 20 minutes into the first movie and it was just so childish that I had to turn it off. The I animated ones? Yeah, there's- No, the, oh. the, the first one with Raul Julia and uh, oh. Dr. Houston. That's so I, crazy to me because there's so much adult stuff in that. You, did you, I love Did you go back one. and watch it? I watched the first 20 minutes. Maybe I'll go ahead and watch it again. But, but, but the point of being, I loved Wednesday. I thought Wednesday was a fantastic mm. show. And probably I think it would have been better if she had just been named like Wendy and hadn't been connected to the Adam family at all. Mm. And and so, yeah, I get what you're saying there about with this new show. It may well be that like – because I, I, like when you were saying, Katie, about wanting that throwback of like tell us Mad Mardigan's origin story. Yeah. Part of me wants that. Part of me is like I don't know if you can find an actor who's going to give as charismatic a performance as Val Kilmer. Yeah. And- it would be – Hard to cast, but I'm counting on the very, very rich producer that's listening right now to make yeah. it yep. work. <laughs> well, okay. Well, so I'm, I'm glad to hear your positive reviews. I definitely want to watch the show. And then for any of you who are interested, uh, Katie, if you're able to keep up with it, but Mark and Ashley, you certainly seem like you might be maybe like halfway through that show. Well, I didn't say I liked it yet. Okay, <laughs> I'm not okay. saying so, anything, so I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll put out feelers to see who wants to be on it. But let me kind of give everyone a chance to kind of closing words. What's one last thing or one question you want to ask or one last kind of thing you want to talk about 
from what made the snow movie so good. My favorite line from Willow is, you stupid hag. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I just uh, love it. <laughs> that's a good one. There, uh, there's so many excellent quotable lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah, too many. There's so many quotable lines. And one thing I just wanted to say, because we haven't talked about it yet, is the actual language of the spells, the incantation. Mm. So mm-hmm. the word we hear probably the most often is Tuatha, 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 Denu. Yeah. And and that was based on these real, the stories from Celtic mythology, the Tuatha de yeah. Danon, which were these like fairy-like people, very much again, reminiscent of the el- elves from Lord of the Rings. Um, but then you have this baby whose name is Elora Danon. And so all of the spells, you know, kind of have that language, Lactuar Denalora, Luatha Danu, Tuatha, Tuatha, Chana, and he says that the way he delivers the spells too are just so good because it's hurting him to do the magic. Um, <laughs> He's not doing it quite I, right a couple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's like Tuatha, Tuatha. But it's just that's so cool, and it adds such a richness um, and authenticity to the movie. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the the parting thing, and I've, I've said it, I touched on it a little bit, but um, yeah, I think just like what made me love it so much is the like reality of it like how it feels Mm. real it feels dirty like the magic hurts there's like the magic needs blood sometimes and a a muskrat has to bite your finger (laughs) you know like spells don't work right you know like people get turned into pigs and brownies get turned into little pigs we didn't talk about the pigs yeah 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 the Uh, love there's deep deep love deep friendship yeah Mm -hmm. and then action adventure and a giant snowball right yeah (laughs) and then one thing that i just James Horner's soundtrack. Oh. If that if the music was different, I think I'd f- have different feelings towards the movie. The yeah. score to this movie, especially the Willow's main theme and the Allura Dynamite mm-hmm. themes, it just it's so magical. And like every time the intro plays in the beginning, I always call it it feels like the nose flick because I don't cry. I'm not a crier. Yeah. But when I watch certain Marvel scenes or watch certain scenes in movies that I love, it feels like someone oh flicked your nose and you're like, I'm not gonna cry, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna cry. Every time that intro music plays, when it says, you know, the name Willow, somebody flicked me in the nose. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I cry. I'll cry unapologetically anytime. But there's just these little moments. That one that we talked about before. And like, then when Eric has his this war for me at the end, that one's just so good. It's it's a beautiful film. Like, it's a perfect film in my my opinion. I just can't stop loving it. Yeah. Yeah. The sword fights are amazing. Mm-hmm. I would say for me the the, the last mo- the moment that really sticks out for me is it's one of the I think it may happen a couple times but definitely one of the times when Willow is he has this kind of like magic wand and he's trying to use magic and he succeeds but his hand is shaking and mm-hmm. some it remi- there's a line I, I, it might be Martha King I'm not sure it might be by Gandhi but it's um you know speak justice you know even if your voice is shaking. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that's what it had. It's just like it, he on the one hand, there's Mad Morgan, who is like, I am super brave. I am the best. And there's Willow, who is like, I am sure, so even for an I'm still going to try this. Yeah. And having both of their stories next to each other is so good. But just that moment of how mm-hmm. he's utterly terrified. He has no reason to think it's going to happen, but he's still going to you know, use the magic wand. It, it made me tear up every time. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Well, thank you all so much. I'm so glad we got to have this conversation. I really want to have more of them. Um, and for folks who are either hearing you out for the first time or just want to be reminded, where can they find some of the stuff each of you are doing? Go ahead, Mark. 
Uh, you can find me at Cast Eye Podcast on Twitter uh, or or Mark Dimitri uh, if you just want to interact with me solely without, well, still with some TTRPG stuff, but um, <laughs> in, a, in a less TTRPG related environment, uh, you can find me at, under those handles. Sorry, there's just an air siren going on in my background. So oh, I'll go. <laughs> give me one um, second for it. Can you hear it? I'll, no. I'll mute for a second. Uh, you can always find me over at the MCU cast and then at Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater. We just recorded about Black Christmas for our holiday specials that we're doing pretty much for the rest of the month. So you can find us over there. Yeah, I would just say, Mark, you haven't gotten to hear uh, my ravings about that podcast. And one thing I love so much about it is that there are movies that I know and love, like Friday the 13th that you did. But for me, as someone who's not much of a horror fan, is probably not going to probably watch some of these movies. You still you, you make me feel like I've seen the movie, but also so much of it isn't just like, oh, yeah, it was so cool when this blood happened. There's some of that. and It's great to hear Ashley do that. But so much of it's about like the making of these movies and the process mm-hmm. and all that. I, it just it is. I think one of the like, you know, there's physics for poets. This is like a podcast about horror movies. It's probably great for horror fans, but it's also fantastic for non-horror fans. Yeah, the Jaws one we did was really one of the first things that I was like, okay, we can do this. I can do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, after we were talking about uh, Black Christmas. Um, Katie I've watched it. it with me the other day. Oh, nice. First I've got time. lined up to watch. I and then I'm very excited to listen to the to the, uh, to the episode right nice. after. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Katie, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, so you can find me at Katie O'Lady on Twitter. I do a lot of actual play uh, podcasting games like D&D, Call of Cthulhu, Delta Green, um, Savage Worlds, that kind of stuff. I'm really, really into tabletop uh, gaming. And um, the videos of those are on YouTube at uh, Crossroads Games. Awesome. And, and I also uh, am, I consider myself to be part of Cast Eye Podcast also. Cast Eye Podcast also considers you to be part of Cast Eye Podcast. Yeah, okay. <laughs> good. And yeah, and links to all of this will be in the show notes. Assuming that all of these people send me the links that I can put in the show notes, I'm giving them the stink eye, but my camera's broken so they can't see it. Um, but fans, that's what I'm willing to do for you. To make sure you get to have the continued awesome content that all these people are putting out. I just want to close also by saying that like a lot of people, I just got the Spotify numbers for uh, this podcast and um, – the numbers are so much higher than they were last year, but the thing that really stuck out to me was that of new people who have found the podcast, 50% is because someone shared the podcast with one of their friends or wow. with a link. And I just want to say I am so, so grateful to all of you who are doing it. It's happening on Instagram, which I just have no presence on. I probably should. <laughs> it's happening on Twitter. It's happening on Facebook. But also a lot of it was just someone sending the link in an email to a friend or a private message to a friend. Um, I apologize to tell you that Spotify is like stalking you all like that. Um, but still, to me, it just meant so much that all of you are sharing this with other people. So thank you so much for being great listeners. Thank you so much for sharing it with others. Please continue to do so. And most importantly, have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for having me. I love you. Bye. Our pleasure.